Well, hello, everybody. We are back for another episode of the Freaking Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is Sarah. Hey, geeks. So uh, this episode, of course, as you can tell by the title, is going to be about Logan. Yes. Yep. Only came out uh, about a week ago. And it is something, right? (laughs) It's pretty much everything. (laughs) It's everything we've ever wanted from an X-Men movie. Yeah. Um, So, of course, the first part of our uh, podcast here is going to be a spoiler-free review. So the way we're going to do this is uh, we're not going to give a grade or anything to this movie. Um, Did that a few times in the past. I really... uh, I realize that's not a good idea because you're kind of t- already telling people uh, what what you think of the movie without um, without going through the, some of the finer details. So what we're going to do is we're basically going to tell you whether you should go watch it or not. <laughs> is this something you really should devote your time to, two hours, two and a half hours of your time, or should you just avoid it? Um, or go in and watch it, but know that it's not going to be what you're hoping it's going to be. So how would you how would you say this movie stacks up with people's expectations going in or most people's expectations? Well, I think I had similar expectations to most like I've seen a few X-Men movies, not all of them, but you know, this one looked so different that it caught my eye as it's not really an X-Men movie, it's just about, you know, a real gritty version of what being Logan would be like in the real world. And I mean, that's just what everyone wanted an R rated Wolverine movie. Hell yes. (laughs) And it blew the expectations out of the water. This was pretty amazing. Don't you think? Yeah. Uh, So basically I think we both can agree that this is something you need to go watch. Yeah. Um, Right now. (laughs) It's really, really worth your time. I would have said go opening night, but you know we're already past that. But if you haven't seen it yet, drop what you're doing. If you don't have any plans tonight, just or, leave work midday. Right, go just, to the theater. Tell them you're not feeling well. Go and watch this movie. It's it's definitely worth your time. Uh, I I can't applaud it enough for for some of the great things it does. Yeah, it truly. Like, it didn't just step up. It, like, put everything else to, like, a minuscule level, and this just triumphs over it. Like, it is king. Yeah, we'll we'll get into uh, some of the ramifications of what we think this movie is going to do going forward with superhero movies, because I, I think this is... Um, I think this is a harbinger of things to come with superhero movies, but... We'll get to that in the back end of the podcast here once we wrap up our review of this uh, this movie. But it's an interesting discussion because I think we all can agree, you know, the superhero genre, it has become a genre. You know, it wasn't always a genre. It was just superhero movies. You know, when X-Men came out in 2000, that was the first time in years that a superhero movie had worked. Right, because if you go back in time, the first one, of course, is Superman, which was directed by Richard Donner. Uh, that came out way back when. Um, I wasn't even born yet. Uh, I think it was, what, 79, I believe, is when Superman came out. 
ancient times. Yeah, right. Ancient times. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably people listening to this podcast saying, wait a second, I was already born. What are you saying? Um, <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> then uh, 10 years later was the original Batman, which was directed by... Um, Oh boy, what's his name? I can't believe I'm actually <laughs> blanking on this. I should be ashamed of myself. How uh, t- can you blank Tim on this? Burton. Tim Burton. Did uh, he really do the first one? Oh, the first and the second one. Yep, the first two. Uh, then he did, of course, the second one, Batman uh, Returns. And then it went down the drain with the future installments by uh, Schumacher in the mid to late 90s. Especially the last one was absolutely dreadful. Um, yeah, like the superhero genre looked like it was dead in the water and then X-Men came out and that showed that you could do a superhero movie fairly seriously and it would come across well. And then, uh, the second X-Men movie came out and that bettered, uh, the first and then, you know, Superman and Superman two and, you know, after about four or five years, uh, it literally became a genre. And then when The Dark Knight came out, that's when it legitimized superhero movies. It showed you what superhero movies could become, what they were capable of, which was being great movies first and then being a superhero movie second. And yeah, I can honestly say, uh, to kind of finish up this um, spoiler-free review... This, to me, is the best superhero movie to come out since The Dark Knight. And uh, to me, that's pretty amazing uh, praise uh, because I actually think there's some really good superhero movies that have come out since The Dark Knight. And the fact that this one tops them all is just phenomenal. Uh, Hugh Jackman gives a great performance here, maybe maybe the best of his career. Uh, Patrick Stewart, wonderful, wonderful performance. Uh, Daphne Keene. You know, people love Eleven on Stranger Things. Get prepared to love another girl who's about 11 years old. Yeah, and, like this is yeah. another girl I need to adopt. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the script is, is excellent. It, it really shines here. Uh, the, the direction by uh, James Mangold is phenomenal. Cinematography is, it's just, look, the quality across the board on this is apparent. And... It really, it really is great. I, I, I don't know what else to say before getting into any spoilers and getting into any details. Just know that when you go into this movie, it's not going to feel like a superhero movie. It's going to feel like a drama that just happens to feature some superheroes. And what would be a realistic situation that would come about superheroes? Yeah. So... Yeah, go watch this movie, come back, uh, listen to the rest of the review because I think you'll end up really liking what you see and wanting to hear what other people's thoughts are. That's what I did. When I watched it, I watched it twice. I watched it on my birthday and I watched it uh, the day after and it was it was amazing. Uh, the fact that I got to see it twice in two days – you could, I couldn't have had a better birthday present than two days of, of Logan. Um, you will be moved. You will you'll be moved to tears at times. You will laugh. Um, you will cheer. You will go through a gamut of emotions in this movie. But just know that when you get to the end, you will definitely feel like it was worth it. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. So go watch the movie and uh, come back and listen to the rest of it. And, uh, yeah, have a good time. Uh, you will. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So let's move into our spoiler review of Logan. So, as I said, it was directed by James Mangold. It was also written by James Mangold. And a little bit of backstory to Logan. Uh, Hugh Jackman did The Wolverine in 2013. That was also directed by James Mangold. And um, out of all of his Wolverine movies, which at that point was only two, because he did X-Men Origins Wolverine, and then he did The Wolverine. The Wolverine was by far his best movie. X-Men Origins is total utter crap. (laughs) It's... It's one of the worst to me, at least one of the worst superhero movies ever made. It was it was a complete abomination. They didn't know what they were doing, and they just made all the wrong decisions in this movie. Um, sorry, I'm giving giving like a review here of X Men Origins Wolverine, but it was it really was terrible. Meanwhile, the, people who love it are like, "Oh, I can't believe you would say such thing, something so sacrilegious against our like." favorite movie how could you well let me let me tell you if you watched deadpool and you liked deadpool go back and watch x-men origins wolverine look at what they did to deadpool enough said just saying (laughs) so when when you have deadpool shooting lasers out of his eyes like cyclops you know you've gone totally off the rails um speaking of deadpool what do you think of the teaser before the movie actually started okay yeah so before we get into any of that let's just talk about that teaser for a second (laughs) i busted a gut i love the teaser it was fantastic it's such a lamp it's just it lampoons superman so much I, i just loved it it was really great you know the music starts up he runs into a phone booth that shouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> and, and you know, because it was one of those things where Superman would go into change and it's Superman, so you just accept the fact that he can get, you know, out of his work clothes and into his costume in no time. 1.3 seconds. Yeah, but, but Deadpool's like taken forever because <laughs> nobody else could do that. And then, of course, <laughs> it ends with that guy getting shot because he took too long. But I love when he like leaps out Ready for action. And the music and the and wind the picks up. <laughs> and sprints across the street. And he's like, oh, oh boy. Uh, yeah, that doesn't look good. Uh, <laughs> and then, he, uh, Well, he won't be eating this. Picks up yeah. the ice cream. Lays, lays on the guy's stomach. He's dead. He's just been shot. He's like, oh, look. You know, Cherry Garcia. Yeah, good. <laughs> and so. then, like, the whole set is, like, littered with, like, Logan uh, hints. Like, on the movie theater... Where the guy got shot, Logan is on the title, and uh, there's something written on the phone booth that's related to Logan, and uh, a couple other things in the background. So I thought that was really cute. Yeah, the um, thing that actually was written on the phone booth, Nathan Summers, um, is actually a reference to Deadpool, because Nathan Summers is Cable in the comics, and so Cable's going to be in the next Deadpool, so that's why that was there. Okay. I was watching a thing about the Easter eggs that were in like the teaser and the movie. And I was like, that's a Logan teaser. I'm like, okay, I'm assuming that's somebody from a past movie I haven't seen before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that was really great. Uh, Can't wait for the next Deadpool movie. So (laughs) it's going to be a lot of fun. Haven't even started filming yet. And they're like, yeah, here's a teaser. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he he and Hugh Jackman are really good friends. So, yeah, apparently they uh, 
Twitter troll each other quite a bit. <laughs> like, um, Hugh Jackman was taking a picture with a bunch of fans, and uh, Ryan tweeted him, like, aren't those protesters <laughs> for your movie? <laughs> like, you're such a jerk. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's it's uh really great their relationship. Uh, they've been friends for quite some time, so they're always messing with each other, like you said. And you know, you just you'll see you know, Hugh Jackman with with Ryan Reynolds, and uh, there's because there's been speculation that even though Hugh Jackman said this is it, I'm done, that he'll make an appearance in Deadpool two or something. It would be pretty uh, amazing yeah. to see like a Deadpool Wolverine crossover kind of thing yeah which is like every comic book fan's wet dream essentially yeah i'd love to see that <laughs> yeah they've just, been they've been wanting it for years <laughs> even for like just the sarcastic snide banter those two those two would have yeah that would be really great i'd love that uh, just a little little note here uh to people that listen to this uh, i grew up you know, collecting comic books, reading comic books, um, the nineties, which is where I uh, did most of my collecting actually. And I really don't do much of the, of it anymore, but yeah, I, I definitely was a big comic book geek in the nineties, especially. <laughs> and I run a ton of Wolverine, ton of X-Men, ton of Deadpool, a uh, whole bunch of other kinds of comics. Uh, I collected old comics, older um, characters that I mean, like Black Panther, which everyone knows now because of you know the Avengers and Captain America: Civil War, and he's getting his own movie. I I was reading you know Black Panther comics back when I was like twelve years old because I had gone to a a yard sale and they were a dime a piece, and I was just <laughs> buying whatever I could find. Whatever so, you get your hands on. Right. So I, I listened, or not listen, I, I read a wide variety of comic books from, you know, 40 years ago to, you know, or 50 years ago to, you know, present day, which was, you know, like 95, 96. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, like I'm not an expert by any stretch. And there's a ton of comics that have, have come uh, since I stopped reading them. And... You know, there's some really good ones, and then the people will tell me some really bad ones, uh, even for some of the characters that we really enjoy. But this uh, movie was based on a, a series called Old Man Logan. Yeah, very, yeah. Loosely, uh, very loosely based on that. Yeah, yeah. If you if you know the details, which I do now, uh, this is definitely very loosely based. Uh, just the basic outline of. Old Man Logan, and that's just about it. And then James Mangold, what he did was he took the outline for that story and he put all of the details that he wanted in there and jettisoned everything else. So it's good to work for him. Yeah, I think it was. I've talked to a lot of people. Some people really like Old Man Logan, and there's other people like a buddy of mine at work who hates it. <laughs> he really does not like the storyline. And so he felt like this was going to be an improvement on old man Logan as a story. And so having managed to find all of the big details that pertains to old man Logan's storyline, I can probably say I like the movie better. Um, there's some things in this, that comic book uh, series there that I really didn't think was too good so he's done just what i i had read and i i've read pretty much everything that happens in that story um yeah i didn't really like some of the stuff like like there's like 
um, like the Hulk had a bunch of hillbilly children and they're just they're just like send out like they go out and they like basically try to make people pay money for for not destroying and killing them you know um there's a it's like a lot of the western vibe that you kind of get from logan itself the movie um some of that is in the in the comic book as well so yeah Mm. but anyway uh so this is based on old man (laughs) logan so the the general uh gist of this movie is that it's now 2029 there hasn't been a mutant born in 25 years. Yep. And uh, mutants are dying out. There are very few left. Most of uh, the people that are mutants that are left are all in hiding. Yeah, they're like putting suppressants in all the food so no more mutants will be born. Right. Now, I was a little confused because the whole X-Men story or the, the whole storyline, the whole the events that play out across all the X-Men movies is very, it's, it's just completely messed up because it just is. Um, but so question first, did you watch X-Men days of future past? No. Okay. I don't think so. Is that the second one? No, that's the one. That's the one that just came out most recently was age of apocalypse. This is the one before that. This is where Wolverine goes back in time to the eighties. Nope. And, Okay. Well, anyway, basically, long story short, I go watch it. It's really good, actually. Okay. Um, it is good. Um, but the movie is, you know, it's good in and of in and of itself, but it also works as a way to fix some of the timeline uh, with the X Men movies, where they nullified some events that happened in earlier movies, essentially making them pointless to a degree. <laughs> um, and this Logan ends up uh, coming about six years or so after the events of Days of Future Past. So if Days of Future Past was like 2000, I think 22, 2023, something like that, then Old Man Logan is like 2029. Yeah. First off, I have a problem with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because if you watch X-Men Days of Future Past – at the, in the end, and then people that have watched the movie are only, only they're going to understand what I'm talking about because you know you, you won't understand. But Wolverine comes back; his mind comes back to present day, and things are different now. And you know the school was there, and Professor Xavier's there, and Jean is alive, and Scott is alive, and all this stuff. All these people that have died before in past X-Men movies are now alive because the timeline's been fixed. People are now alive that died before. And I have a hard time believing that only six years have passed between the end of that or the end of the movie and this one, because he looks so much older in Logan than he does in days of future past where he looks (laughs) relatively young. You know, his hair, his hair is still dark you know, he looks fairly young and like six years, really six years. That's it. You know, I could see 20 years maybe, but, but not six years that, that it doesn't even No, I'm sorry. I I call bollocks. <laughs> if I could use an English term, I call bollocks on all of that. Uh, it's just ridiculous because it doesn't make any sense. Um, well, isn't he, he's like a hundred years old to begin with. Right. 
Oh, well, yeah, over 100 years old, yeah. Over 100 years old. Maybe he's just catching up. <laughs> well, you know, it's less about his appearance, honestly, than his healing factor. Because obviously, as we see in Logan, his healing factor is on the Fritz. Now, they do something interesting here where they essentially say that the adamantium, which covers his bones all throughout his body, is poisoning him, which is actually pretty smart. I like that detail. And which also means that his healing factor is kind of working in overtime or over or it's working overtime just to kind of keep him alive. So is that what was wrong with him? Like every time he went to a doctor and they say you're sick with something, he's like, I know what I'm sick with, but we never actually get to know. Is that essentially what they're talking about? Yeah, they do mention it in the movie. They do mention there's a couple lines where they talk about this specifically the adamantium, you know, it's it's now poisoning his body. And that's also partially it's due to his age because he is so much older. And at some point he is going to die. He's not immortal. You know, his healing factor keeps him looking young despite being, you know, as old as he is or well, up until this movie at least. Um, but I think it's at some point, either at some point the adamantium began poisoning his body or it always was poisoning his body, but his healing factor was so strong in the past that it could easily keep up with keeping his body like fine, like you know, managing, regenerating. regenerating, and still regenerating wounds that he was getting. Or this is a case where his healing factor is is slowing down. Plus. It's wor- it's working to keep his body from killing itself due to due to the adamantium, and therefore it cannot heal the wounds as fast as they used to heal. So I'm bored with that. Yeah, so it's it's one or the other, but but the point is obviously is we see that his healing factor in this movie doesn't work as well as it used to. It used to be you could cut, you know, you could slash him across the face, make a, a big, deep, jagged cut, and it would heal up in seconds. Yeah, just uh, like the little girl does when she's cutting her arm. Right, exactly. That's that's his healing factor as it was for a very long time, and it's not like that anymore. Now it takes him, you know, hours to to heal what used to take him seconds. So if he is slowly being poisoned by adamantium, does that mean the same thing will probably happen to her eventually? No, her she's different uh, because. And someone mentioned this in a, in a review. It's not their fault that they don't know this, right? Because you think that, like Logan, she has adamantium all throughout her body, but that that is something that can't. Well, they could have done it, but they wouldn't have done it because she's going to grow. If they would have covered her bones with adamantium, that wouldn't have been good. It would have been. She would have been in constant pain because she would try yeah. to grow. The bones would be snapping and breaking and. Yeah, splintering, and it would just be really, really bad. So the only thing that is uh, covered is her her claws. That's it. Everything else is just normal. Okay. So so it's not throughout her whole body, just her feet and hands. Just her, just the claws that come out of her feet and hands. Yes. Okay. I liked the feet part. That was a really nice touch. That you know, while the women will have a defense mechanism. Defense mechanism as well as like an attack. I like that. Those are a great touch. Yeah, it, this is um her character, Laura, is based in comic lore. So yeah. this isn't someone that they just created for the movie. This actually happens, you know, in you know 
the comic book storylines. So, you know, she is a little girl. She is, um, she's Logan's daughter essentially because they do use his, uh, you know, genetic material to create her. So, you know, she, she does have all the same things that she has in the movie. She has the foot claw. She does have the two claws in her hands. So they were very faithful in that respect, in terms of, you know, making her character as close, I think, to, you know, to the comics as possible, you know, so. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it's well thought out idea. Just the way they designed her. I liked it. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into uh, giving a, a broad overview here of what happens in this movie so that we can get down to, you know, talking about things that we really liked or didn't <laughs> like in this movie and uh, highlight certain scenes and you know, do what we usually do. So as we said, the general gist of this is there's 2029. The mutant population is basically for the most part in the United States. It's gone. Uh, as you said, they suppress the mutant gene by putting these chemicals in our food, uh, shampoo, shaving cream, all the things that we use on a daily basis. And so what that has done is it's effectively caused no mutants to be born in the last 25 years. Wolverine is now taking care of Professor Xavier. They're down in Mexico uh, because uh, something has gone on and Wolverine is constantly sedating uh, Professor Xavier. And it also turns out that there are moments where he goes into a fit. He has a seizure. And this could have something to do with, say, like Alzheimer's uh, or something similar or dementia where... Uh, when this happens, psychic energy just ends up shooting out in, uh, of Xavier's brain all around him. And it essentially paralyzes everybody that it touches. And the only person that can, can get through that is Wolverine. And that's because of the healing factor, because it allows him to manage to fight and claw his way to Xavier and inject him with a drug which sedates him essentially and causes the seizure to stop. It's the medicine that he needs. And um, I thought this was a really great touch because it's a, good, it's a good question here. What happens when you have the most powerful mind in the entire world and they're suffering from, say, dementia or Alzheimer's? Yeah, that's super dangerous. <laughs> that's yeah. not good for anybody. Well... And there's like they said in the movie, he has been labeled as a weapon of mass destruction, or at least his brain has been labeled as a weapon of mass destruction. Yep. So, uh, and they allude to a Westchester incident in this movie. So, yes. uh, the Westchester incident, Westchester incident is um, something that killed over 400 people. And it was, um, well, 400 people including and then uh, in the truck logan turns the radio off but basically xavier killed the x-men all killed the seven of them one survived right but we don't know which one right well wolverine survived of course uh we do know that um i think personally i don't know i think he killed a lot more than that because if you look at the end of days of future past there are a lot of kids in that school and oh, yeah. I have a feeling like it's probably closer to 60 or 70 mutants were in that in that school when it when it happened. Um, well, yeah, but they're not technically X-Men. They're just students, right? You have to be like a certain 
Right. Right. They're 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 training, you know. Yeah. So they probably killed like seven X Men, but then I think there was a lot of other kids and students that were also killed as well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh Wolverine basically whisks Xavier away, takes him to to Mexico. And now that happened about a year earlier. Okay. So now Logan is a limo driver. He a job he hates, <laughs> and he he basically just picks people up, uh, parties, bachelor parties, uh, people that can afford his fare, and drives them around. Um, I think what Las Vegas, I think, or something similar. I think that's Las Vegas. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, this is um, kind of. Or it would probably be Los Angeles, close to Mexican border, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I guess it would be. Well, it would have to be right across, over across the border because he's not going to drive like three or four hours. I would assume. Yeah, you know, so maybe San Diego. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I wasn't being that close into the locales and whatnot. <laughs> right, and I thought in my head I can't really think what it would be. But the the point is ultimately that you know this is what he's doing for a living and he hates it. You know, but he's got to make the money that he can because he's got to get the pills for Xavier. Plus, he's also saving up money because they're going to buy a boat and go out into the sea where I think, you know, he, they're away from everybody. They're safe and also safe from Xavier's, you know, his Ability. seizures. Yeah, his seizures. And you also get the idea that, the, you know, I think the idea ultimately is that they'll go out into the water and at some point Logan's going to shoot Xavier and he's going to shoot himself. That's what I got out of it, at least. At some point, they were both going to die. Or or at the very least, they were going to go out in the water and it's, you know, because Xavier is going to die at some point just from dementia and from old age. And yeah, and then I figured Logan would just end himself. Yeah, I guess the idea that he would shoot Xavier is kind of... Dark and not the way because he would do it right now if that was the case. Yeah. You know? So I guess it's probably just give him the best life he can have um, while he has the years or, or months remaining that he, you know, they does have. And then once Xavier passes away, then Logan would just because he has that adamantium bullet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what he was just holding on to, just to you know wait until there was really nothing left to live to for. keep him around. Right. So. uh so Logan's doing all this and a woman approaches him at the graveyard because someone's having a service that Wolverine is driving around. She tries to get him to help her. He's basically just says, fuck off. And, <laughs> and real nice. Yep. And uh, she drives past him and there's a little girl kind of peering out the back of the car and uh, back with Xavier. There's another mutant called Caliban who uh, is a tracker. You know, he can track any mutant that he, he wants to. Uh, he's also helping to take care of Xavier while Logan is out doing his job. Yeah, he's like Nosferatu, pretty much. Right, because he can't go outside because the sun basically will Bakes burn him alive. Yeah. Uh, so Logan gets a, a text, or not a text, he gets an alert on his phone, uh, goes to pick somebody up, it turns out to be that woman, and she tries to to pay Wolverine to take her and this little girl up to Canada and offers him $30,000 now and another, I think, like $50,000 when he gets them up there. 
It was 20 now and then 31 oh, they got there. Oh, okay. So I had like a, I I think I missed something during the scene. Uh, like one point, the little girl breaks a window, but then the mother's like bleeding so heavily from the arm. What happened with her arm? Okay, so this was a little. I I don't. I think it was just the editing process, and I don't know. I think what happened was she had already been injured, but I think she was already on the verge of passing out anyway. And she just tried to get in front of this of the little girl and, and confront the lady and try to get her to not, you know, cause any problems. And I think she just collapsed from the loss of blood, really, more than anything. And maybe just made her wound worse, I guess. Maybe. I, I don't think that it, yeah, the, girl, the woman didn't do anything. And I just I think it was just how they edited it. I, I think they could have that done was weird. It was a little weird, too. And I haven't watched it twice. They could have done a little more, I think, to. I don't know. They could have done a little more to make it obvious that she was injured before she passed out or something. Yeah, like, they're pretty much like, hey, here's blood. No reason why, but here's some blood. Right. It's not till you get in uh, to the motel room where she's like, okay, this happened to me. I got attacked and I escaped, but, you know, I was a nurse and, and all that. So that's when you find out a little more about why she's bleeding, but. Yeah, I I agree. It was a little cl- that's probably one of the clumsier aspects to this movie, um, just in the editing process. But that uh, because you're right, it was a little difficult to to understand what was going on in that respect. Yeah, that was my only you know editing problem with that movie it was just that scene. I didn't yeah. quite get it. <laughs> right. So so he finds out that this is this little girl essentially is the fair, and uh, people are after them, yeah, but the money's too good to pass up. So uh, Logan goes back, tells Xavier, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do it. I'm gonna do a job. I'll be back for you, and then we'll, we'll go buy our boat, and we'll be fine." Uh, unfortunately, when he gets back, the woman's been killed, and the little girl is nowhere to be found. So then Logan drives back to Xavier, and uh, in New Mexico, and that's when they find the little girl is there. Must have stowed herself away, hidden the trunk whenever Logan had gone in. Yeah. To check on the woman. So she climbed in the trunk with her stuff. And, uh, yeah. And so, oh, and also we probably should mention there's a, uh, a guy who comes by to speak with Logan uh, after the funeral because uh, he's looking for this woman. Yeah. So. His name's Pierce. Uh, Is yeah. that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Guy with the weird robotic hands. <laughs> yeah. And the cool ass neck tattoo. Neck tattoo. Yeah, uh, so he he tells Logan, "I'm looking for this woman and this this girl." And Wolverine's like saying basically the same thing. He's just like, "Fuck off, get out of here." And uh, so he shows back up, you know, when Logan gets there and this little girl you know, slips out because Caliban's like, "Hey, why is there, why is there this, uh, you know, backpack?" And he's smelling it and he's like. He can probably yeah. see her and track her, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, and he, obviously he knows somebody, this girl is here, and who is this, and what's going on. And So anyway, uh, and Xavier has been trying to tell Logan that he found a new mutant, but of course Logan thinks that he's just crazy, and it's, it's his dementia, and he doesn't know what's going on anyway, so... Yeah. You know, but then this girl just appears, and, you know, Pierce shows up, <laughs> and meanwhile, like... Xavier and, and Laura, the little girl's name is Laura, sitting there eating cereal and just having a good old time. They're like, like 
you can tell like Xavier is just like the happiest guy in the world right now. And I'm like, well, he, not like he gets out much. And to see another human being he can talk to and, you know, it's in him to you know, nurture mutant life. And getting to do that again, I'm pretty sure that's like the happiest day he's had in a long time. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Pierce comes and, you know, Wolverine confronts him. And then Laura just throws a pipe and knocks Pierce out. I mean, that was, and then yeah. and then throws one at Logan, right? Because you know she is his daughter, and you know that also means she's she's got some of his lovely personality traits, and that means good the, and bad, good and bad, and uh, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, Caliban takes him to to shoot him, uh, but unfortunately that doesn't work out. And you think for a while that Caliban's been killed. So the whole posse comes. Uh, all of Pierce's men, everybody, they're ready to, you know, go in full force and get this girl. And they try to. Uh, there's a, a team of men go in. She's sitting there just ca- for effort. Yep, calmly eating eating her cereal. Cut guys surrounding her. And then you just hear screams coming from the, the warehouse and... Uh, and then she comes out with a head and just tosses it. And I've just been like, oh, daddy's proud. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverine would just have that face if he knew that she was scared at that moment. <laughs> yeah. So so she just unslings her backpack, drops it, <laughs> drops everything and just unsheathes her, her claws. And I love Pierce is like, no, no, no. <laughs> Down girl. <laughs> And uh, the fight, the fighting in this movie is phenomenal. The choreography is ridiculous. And this fight scene that happens between between Laura and, you know, Logan and all the men is just amazing. You know, she's just flipping up and just slamming her claws through people's, you know, chests and in her, in their faces and slashing out throats. And it's just every body part she can get her claws into. It's getting ripped out. Yeah. I mean, they chase her. She kind of like they, they chase her and she kind of leaps up and, and she's in the top part above, like the second floor of the warehouse. The guys are down below and she's just dropping down, taking them down. I mean, it's really is just phenomenal. Um, you know, a great job on her part. Like you expect all the you know, the adults to, you know, be able to handle that choreography and like the timing and the acting all at once. But to have like her being able to nail that and just like have that, you know, that aggression, the screaming and the fighting, like she did such a good job doing all that. Yeah, apparently she loved it. I mean, I bet she did. You know, like because they have to like wires and everything to you know to do all the the really acrobatic stuff and and I guess. You know, other actors, you know, will complain about because you know, they got to do that for hours and hours, you know, over and over again and setting things up and doing it again and again. And, and she couldn't have been happier, I guess. She was just like <laughs> the, like every single moment she was on those wires doing all that stuff. It was like the happiest day of her life, you know. So I, I love that she enjoys the work, you know. So that's really exactly really great. Like. Sometimes, you know, kids will go into this, give it a try, and they realize it's not their thing. But it's great when you see someone really energetic and passionate about, you know, getting to act and getting to do all kinds of really cool things involved. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, so this whole fight scene breaks out. Logan and them, they manage to get out of there in the car, and they get away. They kind of jump in front of a train. Um <laughs> 
which just was like, okay, boy, um, you really risked it right there, that's for sure. But they managed yeah. to get across this train before uh, Pierce and his guys do, uh, giving them time to get away. And, um, yeah, so they they managed to get to, to Vegas. Uh, they get a change of clothes. They, they make a stop at a convenience store. Uh, Laura tries to steal some Pringles and some sunglasses. Oh, my God, and this poor kid. takes this kid out because he dared to, you know, give me some, tell her to give me some money. Um, poor guy. And She's not respecting no authority. <laughs> nope, no, no. Well, again, remember, she hasn't been outside before. Not really. And this is all new for her. Um, so Wolverine also has, because she, he has this tape, this this recording of uh, Gabri- her, uh, yeah, Gabrielle, which the is the, the woman. Yeah, the phone. I mean, yeah. Uh, Gabrielle is the woman who smuggled her out. And so she has this whole you know, video that she made where she's talking to the camera and she's showing footage and you see like a basically you see what they're doing they're really creating mutants is what they're doing right so yeah for their yeah. own use basically just mutant soldiers right so uh, my only complaint with this video is that i'm thinking did she have time to sit down with like final cut pro uh because <laughs> you know while she's talking to the camera like speaking to the camera that's fine and when she's walking around showing stuff and speaking to the camera that's fine like if she's in an isolated area where she could actually talk and have her voice be heard. But there's like voiceovers parts of that video where it's like the only way this would work is if she's literally sitting down and talking into a microphone to record while other footage is being played. It's such a small nitpick where I'm just like, wait a second, that 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 can't happen. No. And it's like when you actually have done this stuff and you know how that works, it kind of ruins it when it's like, oh, what a nicely perfectly edited, you know, video you have. I'm sure you did that in your spare time. Yeah. So it's just a small detail. It's 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 not really all that important and I didn't ruin the movie in any way for me. I was just like, okay. That's yeah okay whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll go along with it just because right. it's so good so far. <laughs> right. So, so they manage to to make their way to Vegas. They get a change of clothes. Wolverine goes out to get a new vehicle, and there's a movie called Shane playing in the uh, hotel room. And Shane is really a template for this whole movie because if you go and watch that movie, it's about a gunslinger who comes out of retirement. Uh, he doesn't want to do this anymore, and he ends up picking up his guns for one last showdown because he's got to, you know, save his family, you know, keep them safe, that kind of thing. And so you, that's basically what we've got going on here. Um, I call this movie Unforgiven with claws. So if you've <laughs> ever seen the the movie Unforgiven, it won Best Picture in '92. Um, it was a uh, Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman. It's it's regarded as one of the, the best westerns of all time, and um, so for me it's it's un, it's unforgiven with claws because there's a similar setup there where Clint Eastwood's character is a guy who used to be bad. He used to be in a gang, and he put his his guns down a long time ago, and then a tragedy occurs, and he picks his guns back up, and he's forced to to you know go kill some guys <laughs> basically, <laughs> be a badass all over again. Yeah, so. Yes, they do this. And then uh, there's a freak out by Xavier, similar to the one earlier in the movie. And this is a wonderful scene. Logan gets back there, uh, back to the hotel. Uh, 
and you know feels the you know concussive concussive uh mo- like Magnitude. the moment uh, whenever the the Xavier's energy you know unleashed energy hits him and so he fights and claws his way up to the floor gets out of the elevator uses his claws to drag himself up the wall mm-hmm. gets to the room and there's guys with their guns pointed at Xavier guys all around him and Wolverine goes into this into this room and starts just eviscerating every guy. Every guy is just a headshot. Claws through the head, claws through the head, claws through the head. <laughs> I mean, every single one of them. Meanwhile, Laura is like doing the same thing. She's like clawing her way up to Xavier with the, the medicine and gives it to Logan. Logan injects him and all the guys drop dead. It reminded me so much of the scene in Stranger Things at the end. Uh, when Eleven yes. confronts all these guys around her and she just makes their heads like boil and bleed <laughs> and then all the guys drop, all the girls and guys drop at the same time dead. And that just reminded me of that so much in this scene and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's really true actually. That's a perfect comparison. So uh, they get out of there and they eventually meet up with a family who they help and in return they take them to the house. I, I, I want to talk about this because um, this is one of the only times in the movie where I was really irritated at Xavier because he had to know. And Logan intimated as much to him throughout the whole time they were at this farmhouse. We've got to get out of here. We have to get out of here. Um, we are putting them in danger. Like you do realize that, that we're putting these people's lives in danger. And that is exactly what happens here. Yeah, like every second that they spend in that house, I'm literally just like gnawing on my lip and like, get out of that house. Like, people are after you. You're going to kill all these people. Like, that really bothered me. Like, I don't know if it's maybe his dementia or whatever, and he's just not remembering how dangerous they are in this moment. But it seems like a stupid thing. Like, Xavier would not endanger innocent lives like that. Yeah, I think what this was... uh like he said, like I think he, what it is, he needed a night that wasn't what he had gone through in the last year of his life, or because he, he doesn't really even know how long he and Logan were stuck down there. I mean, it could be five years, ten years. At this point, he really doesn't even know. And so I think it was just he needed a night of family and peace and good times and laughing. It, it, basically, what this comes down to is, to me, it was just a selfish need of his which he fulfilled at the expense of other people and i know that doesn't sound like xavier because in general it isn't but we have to remember this really isn't the xavier that we knew before i mean this is still him but not him at the same time it's it's not exactly xavier before this is an old man who's tired and isn't always thinking very clearly right and so he puts them at da- in danger of course it Disastrous results. Um, Logan goes to help the dad of this family with an issue. And while they're gone, another version of Logan shows up and puts his claws through uh, Xavier's chest. Uh, Yeah. That was so hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. I will say, amazing Hugh Jackman can look that young still. Like, 
kudos to him. Well, I think, you know, obviously they really, really aged him up for the older version of himself. Whereas, you know, the, the, the Logan that we see is probably just Hugh Jackman without any makeup and, and you know, his, his hair slicked back and... I think, like, I honestly think Hugh Jackman's slept in the middle between old Logan and this, like, super Logan new version. But they definitely, there is some... A uh, little bit of CG uh, maybe there? The CG on his, on his face. Yeah, okay. definitely. Okay. Well, uh, but yeah, you're right. This is the um, the the younger version of, of Wolverine. And uh, so he kills Xavier. Laura tries to attack him. Um, the boy, heroically... Uh, and the family ends up uh, getting killed. They all get killed. The mother gets killed. Uh, Logan and the, and the man get back. The man goes in the house just in time to get, you know, sliced. Uh, doesn't die. He's still alive. He's still alive. Um, which he think he does save <laughs> Logan later. But this whole fight breaks out where you know, he's dragging Laura back to where uh, Pierce and the scientists are and all the other guys and uh yeah there's this whole thing where these these guys that confronted logan and the in the family the guy um from the the family earlier they show back up ready to to go to war and unfortunately and they, they have um nosferatu guy with them yeah and they, unfortunately they attack the younger logan because of course why would they ever think this guy is <laughs> different and uh they all get killed but this whole thing this whole thing just goes down down the drain so quickly so logan and logan go to battle and obviously the younger version is much quicker uh heals much quicker uh and he's stronger he's just a much better version of the wolverine that uh that is the main character of this movie yeah, the only flaw is that he, you know, he's genetically makeup, so he's not as smart as, you know, current Logan or anybody else. He's just been bred to be this monster. Right. There's no real, you know, thinking intelligence well, in there. It's just all aggression. He's it's his there's no conscience. Yeah, that's, exactly. He's just there to do one thing and that's kill. Do take orders and do what we tell you. That's it. Which is what they've been wanting to do this whole time. They were trying to do it with children. But that didn't work out, and so now they've bred, you know, this Logan, this version of Logan, to just do what they tell him to do, and um, the guy from the family. I gotta find out that guy. Hold on, this his name. The guy. Uh, his name is Will Munson. So Will didn't die when he got, you know, stabbed by the younger Logan, and he manages to get into his truck, smashes into the to the we'll, we'll call him Dark Logan from now on, <laughs> the Dark Logan character. So he smashes into him with his truck, it impales him into these uh, farm equipment, then he gets out with his shotgun, ends up just shooting the guy like like three or four times. Um, and try blowing his eye yeah, out. Yeah, blowing his eye out. Tries to shoot Logan, uh, probably because you know he's so overcome with grief and everything, Anger. and uh, there's no bullets. And then he falls and dies. So good thing, because yeah. how are you gonna live with all that? Yeah. 
couldn't see any other way for him to go on. Like, I think if he was going to survive, Logan would have probably just ended him and put him out of his misery. Yeah. So before that whole showdown, Logan got back to the house, found Xavier. Xavier hadn't died yet. He, he told him it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then eventually in the back of the truck, Xavier dies. So Logan manages to get Laura. Uh, Ca- uh, Caliban blows himself up and tries to blow Pierce up and some other guys. And uh, so Laura and Logan get out of there. They bury Xavier. Logan collapses. She takes him to a doctor. They I like he beats his truck. Oh up. <laughs> yeah, he beats his truck up because he's just so overcome with grief. And it was beautiful it was, it, watching him take a shovel and just start beating the crap out of his truck. It was very faulty towers. And by the way, this whole time, like Laura hasn't spoken a single word in the entire movie nope. uh, at this point. So she takes him to the doctor. Doctor gives him an IV and, and he basically heals him up just enough or Logan heals himself up just enough in order to wake back up and they hightail it out of there. But he ends up kind of collapsing in the truck and... <laughs> And Laura just drives instead. I love the little detail of this where he's pulled over, he's resting, and, you know, she's had, he's had enough time. Uh, he's knocked right out, so Laura is going to go drive. So she moves one of his legs but keeps one on the seat so she can sit on it yep. and reach the pedals. I yep. was like, yep. I'm so in love with that little detail. Yeah. It's, you didn't have to put that in, but the fact that you did was amazing. Yeah, it was good. I liked it a lot. Um, it's just a de- those details are what make this movie great. By the way, yes. So, so they managed to get to where all the other children are at, and they Logan collapses again. They they take him up, and and this gives them a chance, and Logan a chance. Well, Logan a chance to heal, and the kids to prepare for their final trek, which is, you know, all throughout this movie, there's this talk of you know we got to take you to Canada, you got to get Laura to Canada, and they had coordinates and. Logan thought that they because they were in a comic book. Logan thought that that they were not true, but the coordinates from the comic book are what they actually used as the where they wanted to go in real life. So even though it was technically in the comic book, they just made it a reality. You know, like where we're gonna we're all gonna meet up. So they begin the last preparations for their trek. Wolverine uh, ends up. Logan ends up healing himself up to where he's basically back to to normal health. Uh, As normal and as good as he is, he's got the shakes, he's coughing, he's just in poor general shape, uh, even at at full strength and with himself fully healed. Um, So he and Laura have a little bit of a tiff because you could tell that, that she doesn't want him to go. And at this point, Logan knows that Laura is his daughter and and she knows that, you know, he is her father. And, um, but anyway, the the kids leave and they leave Wolverine with a vial of this green liquid, which essentially it's like it jacks up the healing factor. Think of it as like adrenaline, you know, like, like just like pure adrenaline. Like if you would inject adrenaline into your body, you would be like just, pumped like you would be ready to like run like three miles so that's essentially what it is here and uh he spots big sign that says don't take it all at once right so he spots pierce and all these other guys heading towards where the the kids are supposed to end up he ties the hightails it out of there with the solution and syringe 
He chases after them. The kids are being rounded up and they're taking out some of the guys, but unfortunately, um, there's just too many. So he's huffing and puffing. He, he can't make it. You know, he's just, just too old. He's too tired. So he injects himself with all the green solution, just goes into a full-on berserker rage, sprints through the, the forest, just taking out guy after guy after guy. He's getting shot. doesn't matter. He's healing up. He's healing up. Um, just eviscerating everybody. And so is so is Laura, who's taking guys down left and right. So <laughs> then they work together and take out a whole bunch of guys. And uh, yeah, and the uh, the kids work together too, like using all their powers on this on uh, I think it's Pierce. And eventually, like that one girl, she has like the grass like suffocate him and like entomb him. And I'm like, that is so badass. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So they get they get to uh, the end here, which is. Um, all the kids are rounded up, and they, uh, Laura get Laura and Logan get there, and Laura kind of makes her way, sneaks around, and the the well, Logan shoots and kills the doctor, and all hell breaks loose. It looks like Logan's going to easily take out Pierce, but then he lets out the dark Logan, and <laughs> this is just brutal because uh they go at it uh and the kids are too scared you can tell the kids are too scared to do anything because you know they don't even want to fight anyway this is not what they wanted so i think they're too scared to do a whole lot other than take out maybe some of the soldiers so it's logan versus logan and eventually when things look bad because things get real bad for logan quickly and then laura jumps in and starts just Kicking up, like she takes a lot of good shots. She's stabbing him in the neck and the shoulders and the and back the chest, and the chest like a million times. <laughs> yep, uh, using her toe claw in the back and and hit him in the back of the neck. I mean, she's getting in her her licks, uh, but unfortunately, she's still a little girl. So you know, he eventually gets her off off of him and punches her, and then um, the one boy picks up the truck, drops it on Dark Logan, and you think that's it. But then he manages to pick that thing up or at least get out from underneath it. And uh, he attacks Logan again. This time um, drags him over to this tree stump and just picks him up and just slams him. You know, the the big chunk of the tree is just up through his body and it's just so bad and it's just terrible to, to, to know what that is or what that means really. Yep. Meanwhile, Laura picks up the adamantium bullet and shoots Logan through the head. And Dark Logan. Dark Logan through the head and uh, kills him. And so, yeah. and uh, unfortunately... This is when the tears start. This is when the tears start because they know what it means. Both the, Logan can't heal from this. This is way too much for him. His healing factor can't... It's too far gone to be able to heal this. Uh, he's going to die. So she cuts off the branch that's holding him upright. He slumps down. She's crying, and I'm crying, and <laughs> everyone in the theater is crying. And she's, you know, I'm holding it together. Though. I got tears welling up in my eyes, but I'm holding it in. I'm making sure, like, I can, I can power through this. <laughs> I wasn't powering through this. I was just crying, and it's um, just brutal because, you know, even though these two kind of butted heads the whole way through. You know, they get to the end here and you know that she really 
cares about him like she cared about xavier when xavier when she knew she he had died i mean she was going crazy in that truck i mean she was so yes. pissed off and um so like with with she's like she even says you know dad you know like yeah. she's like oh my god and there's this moment right the and there's this moment where he says well first he says don't let them or what would what you say don't don't um, don't be what don't be don't be what they they made you or something like exactly. that. Exactly. And and I'm just like, oh, okay. And then um, he said at the very end, right before he dies, he says, "So this is what it's like." And I took that to mean two possible meanings. This is what it's like to actually die, because remember, he's been he's had so many things happen to him in his life and never died, you know. And so I took it to mean that, but I also thought it could be a, you know, I had a double meaning here, which could also be maybe this is what it's like to have a daughter, maybe. Uh, be, to love, to someone love something, unconditionally. something like that. Like I felt like at the last seconds, he found meaning again. He found purpose for his life. He found something to be proud of. And that was the little girl sitting before him. You know, like it was just all these things that I felt like were kind of like, multiple meetings for this one line and i just was just like tears streaming down my face <laughs> just like and then you said you know they bury him and then she they take the 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 cross and they he, she put uh, rotates it into an x and puts it down like you know she knows that's he, where you know, i lose my shit <laughs> you know he's an x man and 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 i'm just like oh. yeah it was brutal it really was and and she for his um uh what do you call eulogy? it? Eulogy. Eulogy. Yes, thank you. She, it's yeah. the line for line from the movie Shane. Yeah, at the end. And, you know, there was a couple people that were laughing a little bit in the movie theater. I was just, like, crying even harder because I thought, you know, look, she doesn't know what to say here, but but she understands what those lines meant. And given the context, you know, she that was the best eulogy she could come up with. Yeah, you know? because it represented not only her dad, but, you know, Xavier as well. Yeah. It was both of them. And, um, you know, we we should probably say, you know, obviously, I'm guessing you've already seen the movie, but, you know, like halfway through, she starts talking, you know, in Spanish, full on <laughs> Spanish. And what I really appreciated about it was the fact that they didn't have subtitles in this movie. They had no, yeah, they had like no you subtitles. You either know it or you don't. Yes. And, and I didn't need to. I don't know it, but I could understand. I could get enough from what she was saying and how she was saying it that I didn't need subtitles. And I appreciated yeah. the fact they just let her speak Spanish without having, you know, to, to do that. Her emoting and her inflections spoke more than you can understand just from the language. Right. And it was just really well done. Um, so that, that, that was it. And the girl, you know, the kids go off, you know, to, cause the idea is in Canada, there's no jurisdiction. They like, Pierce and them, they're not going across Canada. And what they don't really say is that there's a team up in Canada that's kind of like their version of like an X-Man-like team of mutants up there. Because Canada's the best. I guess so. <laughs> you know, I guess, in the, you know, in this, in this version of dystopian uh, future, yes, Canada is the best. <laughs> and it is where Logan came from. Yes. So it's also kind of nice yes. that she's returning to where her father came from. Precisely. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, she, the kids make their way up and she follows and, um, that ends the movie and that, that's it. Uh, so yeah, th this movie to me was phenomenal. 
It, the, the direction was excellent. The, the performances were amazing. I really think there's going to be a strong push for, uh, for him getting a Best Actor nomination at the Oscars next year. As he should. I mean, I wish they would have squeaked this in with this year's Oscars, because he would have taken it. There's just so much here. I mean, you know, Hugh Jackman is a really good actor, and I think he pushed himself really far in this movie. I think he put everything into this movie, and it showed. It really did. Just fen- yeah, phenomenal performance. Yeah. I mean, like, I've never been like a diehard, you know, X Men girl or always followed. I'll watch, you know, pick up stuff here and there when I see it on TV, but I never really paid too much attention. Yeah, saw the first and second one a few times, know them by heart. But after that, not too much. But seeing this, I mean, there's just this deep passion now for this character. I mean, this director really brought new light to this character yeah and well let's talk about some of the other performances so daphne keen who plays laura otherwise known as x23 um (laughs) she does such an amazing job in this movie you know it's like 11 in the first half of the movie especially because she had no dialogue and so everything that you saw was emoting nonverbal acting and that's always the hardest acting to do. Anybody, you know, I can stand and give this really eloquent speech on, you know, on camera, or I could, you know, have an explosive, angry scene and I'm just spouting dialogue. And those are great. Don't get me wrong. But try to get the same thing across by not speaking any dialogue. It's not easy. And, you know, she had to do that. And I, th- I think she and did. There are a few people who can do it well. Yeah. And she actually, this I don't think she's had very much before this. She's just a kid. So to re- be able to nail you know, such a big role as this, she's done such a good job. She deserves an Oscar too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there'll be cons- there's got to be some consideration. I think for everybody, all the main leads here, I think Hugh Jackman, Daphne Keene, and um, uh, Patrick Stewart all deserve, you know, serious consideration for acting nominations because they did a really great job and they really did. It's not, you know, this movie is to me, it's a drama first and a comic book movie second. And if you look at it that way, then I think you understand that that really means that we're looking at a high quality movie here. You know, cause Very much. it is because like the dark Knight really set the bar. Because if you watch The Dark Knight, every time I read review for The Dark Knight when it first came out, the common refrain for that movie was, it's not just a comic book movie, it is a great movie, period. And that's exactly... Yeah, it's not yeah. just a genre. Yes, it, that, that's what I'm saying. For, for Logan, it's the same thing. This is not just a comic book movie. This is just a great movie in and of itself. The fact that there's comic book elements in it, you know, superheroes, well mutants or whatever like the fact that they contain those elements it doesn't detract from the movie it's just a great movie if there were no mutants whatsoever in this movie it would still be a great movie yeah and that should be the bar from here on out for all other superhero movies to aspire to oh right oh definitely 
Yeah. Um, I mean, let's jump into it. I, I wanted to bring this up anyway. Uh, to me, Logan is kind of setting the bar here for future, you know, comic book movies in a lot of ways. And I want to explain that. Because I, I don't want people to think, oh, okay, so now what you're saying is the next Avengers movie is going to be just total crap in your eyes because it's not like Logan. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, it, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited for everything that's coming out this year. I, I can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy to rule out. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I, I can't wait for all those movies to come out because they can all be really good movies. I'm just saying, I think what we're going to see here is a different trend is starting to pop up in superhero movies, and it's all starting with Logan. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's like a gateway into, because there's a lot of, you know, people who are scared to make R-rated superhero movies because it cuts out so much of your audience being able to see it that they're worried they're not going to make their money back. But, I mean, look at Deadpool. Look at this now, Logan. Like, it's it's not just a funny superhero R-rated movie. It's a serious R-rated superhero movie. And it did so well. It It's paving the way for other directors to feel comfortable enough to take that chance. Yeah. And it's not just about the R-rating. Um, I wrote some notes down here, and this is, this is what I said. Um... Superhero movies have become bigger and more bloated, and uh, this movie is a harbinger of what the genre will be moving towards. And I really, I really believe that. Uh, I think what we're going to get is smaller, more intimate movies with strong character-centric stories and genuine emotion. More great movie than great superhero movies. That's exactly what I wrote down. So what I mean by that is this. I like I said, I cannot wait for Guardians of the Galaxy to come out, and I think there's going to be a lot of really excellent superhero movies. I'm sure when the two-part uh, finale for the Avengers movies rolls out here um, in the next couple of years, it's going to be fantastic in its own way, and so I'm really excited for it. But I, but what I meant by bigger and more bloated, it still stands. You know, when you have that, when the stakes get raised, they're always the same. First, you know, a city is at stake, and so they save the city and all the people in it. And then it's a nation that's at stake, a country, and so they save the country. And then the world is at stake, so they save the world. And then the galaxy is at stake. Is it is at stake? <laughs> so it's like the, the what's at stake gets you know bigger and bigger, but it feels like it's less and less. Because, okay, 4 billion people are, could die, but I don't know any of these people. So it's just nameless people that could get killed. You know, so what's like, I know that that's a big heavy, that's a heavy loss, but what does that mean to me? Well, I mean, not that much. I mean, from being honest, yeah, I don't want 4 billion people to die, you know, in this movie. But at the same time, I don't really feel that much emotion towards them. Because they're just a yeah. nameless multitude of people. I would rather know the people who are doing the protecting stories than the story of them just doing the protecting. Well, it, it comes down to stakes. And the more personal the stakes, the more you feel them. You know, in this movie, there are very few people whose lives are at stake. You know, you have Laura, you have Logan, you have Professor Xavier and Caliban. 
and that's it. Oh, and the, and the kids eventually, right. But for most of the movie, it's really just four people whose lives are at stake here. Everybody else is ancillary They're, or the bad guys. And of course, the family, the, the family on the farm. And, and, but see, that's what I'm saying. When they got killed, that was, that, was, that, that was a big punch to the gut. And same for Xavier. Like it's a very it's a very intimate movie. The amount of people who are affected by the events that take place in this movie are smaller, so you feel more when bad things happen. It's not okay. Uh, New York City's under attack, and we're going to save everybody in New York City. Well, that's great, but you know that all those people they don't mean that much. Overall, we don't know them. We don't know them. Why? How can you get invested emotionally when you don't know the people? And like I said, I'm not. I'm not a cold-hearted bastard, right? I understand. I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. You know that there are a lot of people, and if you know aliens attack the city, or if whatever monsters attack, people could die and will die. But I'm just saying it's it's the stakes. As the stakes get bigger and bigger and bigger, you feel less of it with each passing movie where they try to, to outdo the movie before them. Yeah, it's true. Like, when you don't know, uh, like, an emotional level or, like, any kind of history to a person you don't feel that empathy that you would for a character you've gotten to actually see and get to know and understand their life and you start to feel things for them. Whereas when it's just a certain amount of people, strangers, faceless, nameless people, you don't feel a connection and you don't feel the loss. Right, exactly. And that's that's what I'm saying. So I just I feel like this is the direction that superhero movies are going to go, and not all of them. There's always going to be a big, you know, two hundred million dollars spectacle superhero movies. I'm just saying I think you're going to get more of these kind of movies, and it honestly doesn't have anything to do with the R rating, all right? Because I want to talk about the R rating too. The R rating, I please, I do not want every superhero movie to come out that comes out now to be an R rating superhero movie <laughs> because this movie, you know, is making a bunch of money and so execs are like, "Oh, hey, you know, we can do R-rated superhero movies now and make a ton of money." No, 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 please. <laughs> don't don't do that. I don't want to go and see every movie that, you know, I don't want to see R-rated superhero movies every single time I go to the multiplex. You have to know when an R rating is worth it. Right, I don't need to see an R-rating Guardians of the Galaxy. To me, yeah, there's no that's point. A, it's a complete travesty. You've got to marry the character, the tone, all of it together, and determine what's necessary. Um, and obviously, Wolverine is a really popular character, so that doesn't hurt him at the box office. But you don't want to take some nobody, you know, superhero character and just give him an R-rating and just like, oh, okay, we can do this now. Make sure that the that the the character, the tone of the movie, the storyline, everything. If you look at it and you say, "Okay, I think this needs an R rating to do it justice, to do the story justice, to do the character justice," then give it an R rating. I just don't want to see a bunch of copycats now because people just think, "Oh, you can do an R rating superhero movie now," and we just just do that with every every superhero movie from here on out. That, yeah, the story has to warrant it. Right, and this did. Because you got to remember something. This Wolverine 
is the Wolverine that fans have wanted for a long time. Oh, yes. Because, you know, from the X-Men movies, if you don't read the comics and you just watch the X-Men movies, Wolverine is awesome. He's cool. You know, he, he heals. He's got adamantium claws, you know, all that. That's fantastic. The problem is that if you actually go back to the comics, especially the earlier comics back in like the early 80s, um, in the, or the 80s in general, Wolverine was a badass and he was savage and he was brutal and he was a lot more like the character we see in this movie than what we saw in the other X-Men movies. Now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not uh, lambasting those movies. I'm just saying this Wolverine is closer to the actual Wolverine that existed in the comic books. He's furl. He's, he's moody. He doesn't care <laughs> if you need help. He does, you know, he's just, he's just an asshole and he just happens to have adamantium claws. That's what I'm saying. I mean, this is the closest we'll ever get to an, to the Wolverine in the comic books. Yes, this did absolute justice uh, portraying like what the original Wolverine was made to be. Like he's not, you know, that sensitive of a human being. He's very insensitive and just, you know, what you said, feral and brutal and that's his nature. Yeah, that's, you know, in the comic books, he says, I'm the best at what I do. And the best at what he does is destroy and kill people i mean that's what he is he is what he is and he's the best at what he does and that's that's the that's the brutal version of wolverine that we see in this movie so uh let's talk about the young wolverine versus the old wolverine um i wanted to make a comment on this so i love this aspect of the movie and some people didn't like it and other people really loved it what I really like about the younger version of Logan versus the older version of Logan is what it represents within the story itself. And that is, to me at least, the young version of Logan, the dark Logan in this movie. It's the, it rep he represents the brutal, savage, darker aspect of Logan Logan's personality and his character that he's been fighting against all these years. So yeah, it's his purified dark form. Yeah. It's like the, the, um, it, the savage darker version of himself. You know, he's been fighting this, this dark, you know, the dark impulses that, that dominate have dominated him, at least especially in the comic books uh, for so long. And so I love this. They're literally facing off against each other and he's it's like he's literally facing who he used to be you know this wolverine that we see here and granted this he doesn't have a conscience so much but then again you could also argue many 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 years ago he didn't have a con much of a conscience back then either it's probably only developed over the years <laughs> so this this logan he's literally facing the guy he used to be long long ago and he isn't anymore and I love that. I love, I love that metaphor in this movie. I think it's amazing. So. Yeah, that's actually a really brilliant thing to do. Like have, you know, the old Logan just who has a developed consciousness be fighting against his old, his younger self, often getting his ass handed to him. But it is a wonderful like correlation and parallel, you know. Precisely, and yeah, I really, 
I really love that. Um, I don't know that. I don't know that um, they could have done it a better way. You know, a better metaphor for him fighting his darker impulse than to actually bring out this dark Logan and <laughs> you know have them face against each other. So uh, it's it's a brilliant, it's a masterstroke in my opinion for this movie. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else here I wanted to mention. Uh, the the there is a oh go ahead sorry. go ahead. There's a cool little tidbit about um, Xavier having hair now. Uh, because of course, you know, they have that, uh, one of the movies shows like why he lost his hair and why he's bald. Uh, and now he has hair and the director actually wrote it's because, uh, his mind is uh, sometimes not controlled and it's sometimes at ease that his hair has actually started to grow back a bit, but not completely. And so I, I like that they actually included that touch. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I actually noticed that myself, but I really didn't care when I was watching the movie. I saw the hair and was like, eh, whatever. You know, I'm like... Yeah, I didn't think yeah. twice about it either. And then I was just reading some facts about it. And the director actually said that they put that in there on purpose. I'm like, that's you know, that's really cool. They actually took the time to do that. It's the little things that make a movie. Yeah, that's that's great. I think that's... Yeah, I had no problem with that. It's fine. Um there was there was something else I wanted to talk about here. Uh, I did I did see some trivia here that I could I could uh, throw out here for you. Um, Let's hear it. So, Patrick Stewart lost twenty one pounds for this role. Really? Yep. That's crazy. Yep. He shouldn't be doing yep. that at his age. Right. He said that uh, his his weight has remained basically the same since he was a teenager. And uh, this is the first time he's ever actually lost weight for a role in his life. So, That's insane. And uh, <laughs> But Hugh Jackman's like, okay, I'm getting a little old. I can't carry you. You got to lose 20 pounds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, and that was, you know, he did carry him around every time. So, yeah, you know, but then again, like you said, like what he, I saw an interview where he said uh, he was so light, like you could just pick him up. No problem. Well, look at Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I mean, he's just beefcake all the way. Well, yeah, definitely. It's, he would have no problem. I looked up his training regimen. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of, he'd have to wake up at like three, eight, 3 in the morning to eat chicken. I mean, he was eating, you know, four or five pounds of chicken a day, you know. Good Lord. Yeah. To get that amount of protein to build that kind of muscle. It's ridiculous. But man, does it? Look good on him. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't think anybody would mind. Uh nope. Certainly not me. Uh the comic books that Laura is reading, uh the one with all the X-Men in it, mm -hmm. um, they weren't real issues. They were actually drawn specifically for this movie. Yeah, I read yeah. that too, that it wasn't actually you know, the comic books, it was just made for the film itself. Yeah, because they didn't have rights to the comics like to feature them, so they had actually draw you know new new uh new comic books specifically for in the movie so i thought that was pretty cool yeah another lovely touch yeah uh, uh that's pretty much i think that's pretty much it but oh there's also speculation and i think mangold kind of confirmed that uh they they might be making an all black and white version of this 
movie, which will also probably be put on the DVD or the Blu-ray. That'd be cool. So if you want to see this all in black and white, you can. Um, so I think that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I think there'll be people that'll be a fans of it all in black and white. Have they said anything if they're going to continue the kid's story at all? Um, there's speculation. It's possible. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I really would like to see it though. I think she could be really good in this role. I really don't, in a way, I don't want them to cast another actress to make her older. I'd rather, I'd rather her continue, you know. Even if they have to wait like eight years when she's older, do it that way. (laughs) Yeah, they could do that. They could, they could do that. They might wait a couple of years till she's maybe a little older than she is currently. And, uh, yeah, but I think, I think she'll probably be back. I, I think she'll be popular enough to warrant a movie. They might just pair her up with some other people, though, or maybe this team of, of mutants up in Canada or something. Maybe she yeah. could find Deadpool and yeah. work with him. Right. Uh, the team up north, I think, is called Alpha Force. So that might be, you know, who she ends up, you know, maybe being in a movie with the Alpha Force or something. I'd watch it. I'd watch yeah. anything with her. Yeah. Well, of course you would, but then you'd also watch it because it's in Canada and it's a Canadian superhero team. <laughs> well, everything's better in Canada. Uh, don't give me that. <laughs> uh, have you ever been up to Canada? Uh, Once or twice. Did you ever come to the West Coast or the East Coast? Uh, Just, just North, you know, now just all East Coast stuff. Uh, okay. Snobs over there. <laughs> Not like us West Coasters. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. What can I say? <laughs> um, yeah, so this was a great movie. It really is. Um, I can't I can't say it enough. The direction was really great. Mangold did a great job. I thought I think the script was really, really good. Quibbles, um uh negative aspects to this movie i some editing issues. maybe yeah i guess a little editing people are talking but there's a bit, bit of slow points in the movie uh in the in the middle they feel like it kind of sags a little bit but i really didn't think so i, I actually like the quieter moments with so I, I liked when it slowed down a little bit uh just because you need a bit of a breather between some of these big action set pieces or where you know limbs are being chopped off left and right it's like you need you need things to calm down a little bit a little bit of self-reflection and some of those scenes of self-reflection and just quiet scenes are some of the best scenes in the movie you know so yeah absolutely and even like small scenes where like laura is sitting on the uh the toy horse and she's about to like rip her claws into the machine to have another ride and like logan just puts another quarter in i mean like those moments are pretty cute like you don't need to have an action filled moment yeah enough is spoken and unspoken all at the same time in these quiet you know just traveling moments too that they're just as good yeah um did you have any problem with the little girl you know slicing and dicing and killing people left and right you know, there were some people who were like, oh, you know, of course, you know, we're glorifying the violence of a little kid, you know, slicing out people's throats and chopping off limbs and, you know, eviscerating, you know, bad guys left and right. I mean, did you have a problem with that or did you not have a problem with that? 
no problem whatsoever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the most badass, awesome thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I like I understand people that might have a problem with it just because they maybe not agree with it or don't, you know, like that aspect where you just seen this little girl just killing people. Um but I also have to remember, you know, she doesn't want to do it in a way either. I mean, she her personality may be kind of moody and all that and but she doesn't want to go out and kill people either. She's like the other kids. She would rather have a normal life, I think. But she's kind of forced to do what she's got to do, and so she just does it without hesitation. So this isn't a mindless. Exactly. This isn't a mindless killer. This isn't a little psychopath. You know, that's like, oh, I love this. I love going out and killing people. And here, let me drink the blood too. Why not? It's just, <laughs> you know, it's just she's forced to do it because she's not really given much of a choice. You know, she either yeah, she has to survive. Right. So I think that's the the prism that you have to look at the violence through is she's not out there looking to kill people for enjoyment. Um, and she's also a little girl and she's been stuck inside a facility her entire life. So, you know, she also doesn't exactly have a lot of um, social skills either. Yeah, not really. <laughs> not When your only social skill is like the nurse occasionally saying like, good morning to you. That's not much of social interactions no but I, I did like the fact that she could uh speak perfect spanish and uh english in this movie i just like that she you know she'd be speaking spanish and then go into english or whatever and i just thought it was really nice touch and it made sense because the only people that she had any contact with were the nurses who were all you know from mexico so of course the first language she probably would have picked up was Spanish and then you know they probably would have also taught her English. Yep. And I like that they incorporated that both of them in there. They didn't have to and just another beautiful touch. Yeah. Uh the bad guys in this movie uh you have uh, Don you had Pierce who I thought he was pretty good. You know, I thought he had a, like this like almost like Southern brogue kind of accent <laughs> to him. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought the bad guys were pretty, pretty good. I mean, the, 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 um, the scientist guy, he wasn't all that. I mean, there really wasn't much to him, but that's because he didn't really have much screen time anyway. Really. It came down to Pierce in the dark Logan character, I think. Yeah, I did like that the doctor was like, I can only see who this guy was um, from a movie from long ago, Spice World, where he was like their manager. And that's forever. I will only see this actor as that guy. And I can never break that mold. So every time I look at him, I'm like, I can't take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the cinematography was really good in this movie. I think that the soundtrack you know, was not intrusive. I thought there was an there was enough when needed, but it didn't overpower any scenes that I could see. Um, yeah. So why don't we why don't we wind down here and give this movie a grade, and we can get out of here. So all right, you start. Okay. So as I said, I really think this kind of sets the bar for superhero movies. If it's not the best superhero hero movie of all time. Um, I think it's probably pretty close. You know, maybe you have the dark. Maybe you have the Dark Knight is number one. Then maybe this one's number two, or maybe this is number one and the Dark Knight's number two, or you know, something in where it's like if one's ahead of the other, it's by the slimmest of margins, in my opinion. Uh, so for me, I got to give this thing 
an A plus because I really, really love this movie. It's it's dark, it's uncompromising, it's brutal, but you know what? It has heart. Exactly. And I want to talk. You always got to. And I want to talk at the end here when we're done. I want to talk quickly about DC, uh, com- the DC adaptations to their movies, and why. Why Marvel's doing it better than them, and this movie being a prime example of the problem that they have with their movies. Uh, I I root for D, I root for DC every time a DC movie comes out. I'm hoping it's going to be awesome, and it, it's just been disappointing me ever since you know Batman. But uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But first of all, first just give me your uh, last thoughts and your grade. I agree with you. It's an A plus because I mean it's in the realm of, you know, the cream of the crop, uh, superhero movies. It's reached that level of excellence, so it deserves to be you know rated amongst them. So definitely an A plus. I mean, Hugh Jackman he gave an amazing performance, the best performance I think I've ever seen him give for as Wolverine. And that little girl, I mean, she kicked some serious butt, but she also gave heart and she emoted without having to speak and using her eyes to portray how she felt. I mean, she did such a phenomenal job. Everyone, everyone did. I mean, Patrick Stewart always performs. I have a hard time, like, ever saying anything bad about him. He can never do wrong. Uh, Everyone did a great job. And so, yeah, it's. A plus for me as well. Okay, I guess that kind of <laughs> ends that. <laughs> All right, before we go here, I want to quickly uh, finish everything up here with a, a discussion about uh, just a few minutes. I want to talk briefly about DC Comics and uh, why they they need to look at Logan and and Deadpool, I guess, to a degree, but Logan definitely as to the template that they need to use moving forward. So I've, I saw Suicide Squad. Okay. I yes. saw Batman versus Superman and they were both garbage. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know there are probably people that are just like turning off this podcast now, you know, don't want to, don't want to hear it. Uh, but, but listen, I, I, I if you're still listening, hold on a second. Let me explain myself. Like I said before, I root for DC. I'm not one of those like Marvel or bust kind of people. Anytime a comic book movie comes out, I watch it and I'm hoping for really good stuff. And the problem is that with DC, their biggest issue with their movies, it's not the fact that they try to go darker. You know, if you look at Batman versus Superman, it's, it's serious. It's, it's dark. Um, if you look at Suicide Squad, same thing. Obviously, considering what goes on in the movie and the characters, it's dark. And dark does not mean a better movie, and it also doesn't mean a bad movie. Okay, Marvel Marvel's tone usually is fairly light for the most part. You know, it's a little dark from time to time, but it's a lighter version of comic book movie. Whereas DC, like The Dark Knight, they try. And like the Batman movies, they try to be a darker, darker stories. And that's fine. You can have some really good stuff. But people are watching Logan or they're hearing about Logan being so great. And, and you know, fans of DC comics and obviously DC adaptations are sitting there really mad because like, wait a second. Um, 
you know, why why is it that, you know, this dark, dark, dark uh, Wolverine movie is out and everybody loves it. Of course, they all hate, you know, the DC movie does dark, you know, dark movie or DC does dark movies and and we just get, you know, eviscerated, you know, oh, it's all just a big, you know, Marvel love fest and they're all against DC and, you know, that kind of thing. And the problem is it's it's not it's not that at all. The problem is that if you look at Batman versus Superman, if you look at Suicide Squad, the problem that I have and the problem that I think exists in these movies, and partially at least, not all of it, but partially the reason why they're not successful and critically not successful is because they lack heart. For as dark as, as Logan is, and let's be fair, Logan is dark, about as dark as you can get in terms of a comic book movie. For as dark as that movie is, when you get to the end, you have been run through a gamut of emotions throughout the entire movie. There's been laughs, there's been sadness, there's been heartbreak, there's been darkly comic moments where you're, you're kind of chuckling despite the fact you know you shouldn't be. Um, you're, you're kind of doing a big, you know, um, you just you're going through, like I said, the whole gamut of emotions that you can run through. And the problem with Suicide Squad and with Batman versus Superman is I never felt that. Pretty visuals, really great fight scenes, actually excellent special effects. Uh, but when I got to the end of Suicide Squad, I was sitting there in the theater and I said, "White, what? Um, why? Why? I, I didn't feel anything. I didn't get to the end of the movie and feel anything. There was nothing there to feel. I was just like, I just saw a big spectacle of special effects and, and explosions. I, I got to the end. I'm like, okay, am I supposed to care about?" these guys i know that they're the villains and all that and that they're you know quote unquote the heroes in this movie but i got to the end and i didn't feel anything and i didn't feel the anything in batman versus superman either no that was real garbage suicide squad was a little bit better but it wasn't a lot better but it feels like they seem to let pieces of the story slip through the cracks and the pieces that slip through the cracks also contain any kind of heart and soul that the story should have. And they take away small moments that should exist, a little bit of backstory, more moments of them, you know, having relationships with each other and talking, but it's, they end up just being pure action. And we're supposed to just supposed to automatically connect the dots ourselves, not actually have any empathy towards what we're seeing because we haven't actually gotten to see the relationship build. Yeah. That seems to be the problem with DC. Precisely. I just, I don't, I don't understand how, like, I know, I know DC fans, like, they get these adaptations and they'll go online. I know when Suicide Squad failed uh, critically at the box office, there was this big uproar by DC fans and they, they just like, oh, they're all against us. They all just, you know, they all hate us. It's, it, you know, we'll never, we'll never be good enough for them. And critics just are going to hate. It has nothing to do with it being DC or Marvel. I really, it's just that Marvel, when a Marvel script gets filmed, when a movie comes out, or even when filming starts for a, for a Marvel movie, that script has already been written and rewritten and revised for like a few years. You know, so by the time that movie goes in and actually filming begins, that script is polished. Now, I'm not saying every Marvel movie is a masterpiece. Some are better than others. But at this point, 
you can go to a Marvel movie and for the most part you can be entertained and come out not feeling like you had wasted your money or your time. Whereas, like, say, Suicide Squad, right? This was a travesty from the beginning, right? Go- and it had all the potential in the all world, All the potential, too. but guess what? Goyer had to sit down. He, it was announced, the, the release date was announced. He hadn't even written a script yet. He, all he had written was a treatment, a basic idea for the movie. He had to sit down and, like, was it, like, two and a half months or three months? He had to write the script and cast the people in the movie. That's what I'm saying. That is not enough. That is, that's what I'm saying. If you want to know why Suicide Squad failed, it was because due diligence wasn't paid towards the script. The cast was great. The cast was wonderful. Yes. But the script did not do them any favors. And the problem was they had to write that thing on the fly. And there was just – there was no polish. Nobody sat down and said, hey, look, this isn't working. I think this is a – you need to redo this. You need to rewrite this. You need to cut this out. You need to add more of this in. The stuff that goes on with every script that goes – any script that actually is successful and creates a good movie, it's because it's gone through revisions. It's been – you know, things have been fixed. Things have been cut out. And other things have been injected into the script because certain elements are not working or maybe they feel like there's an imbalance, so they they maybe pump a little more backstory into the into the movie. Like that's how scripts are done. They are written, rewritten, revised, and and changed until they end up becoming the polished thing that you see. The problem is, is that with DC, you know, there's some really great themes. There's some really great ideas. Like some of the stuff in Batman versus Superman, as bad as that movie was, there were some cool themes and ideas in that movie. But there were a lot of stuff that made no sense, no sense whatsoever. And like I said, you got to the end and I'm like, there's no heart to this movie. It just feels soulless to me. So Yes, very much so. And also Suicide Squad, they filmed and shot the whole thing. Then they gave a release date and then suddenly they had to refilm half of it. No reason given. Who knows what got lost or changed in between there. And it it was Batman versus Superman. The pro- yeah, like, the, the problem was they had they had shot Suicide Squad, and Batman came versus Superman came out. It tanked so badly, it was so critically destroyed that the upper uh, the bosses up at the top got spooked, and so they ordered reshoots. Okay, and here's the problem: if you actually read up on Suicide Squad, you'll find out that there is something like. I want to say like four or five cuts of the movie that exist because they did like four or five cuts and then they showed the cuts and then they eventually, you know, picked the one that we went to the movies and see. So that's what I'm saying. Like they're with Marvel, they have everything so well um, designed to doing their movies now. And for all of the things that are wrong with Marvel movies, and I'm just telling you right now, Look, not every Marvel movie comes out as a masterpiece. They have things, they have their own problems. You know, for instance, their their villains often aren't all that great, okay? Uh, the villains <laughs> don't tend to be all that memorable. Every once in a while, they'll have a good one, but for the most part, the villains are not particularly great. Uh, so they have their own issues. I have issues with Marvel movies too, and I can get into some of that too, like the fact that every Marvel movie looks about the same, same color palette same style for for the most part you know i'd rather see different styles 
of of movies by different directors have their own flavor rather than try to fit them all together to have a same look, same color palette. But again, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not here to rail on DC because I'm, I hate DC. I don't hate DC. I'm just telling you Marvel is doing it better because everything that they do, every movie that they shoot is so well prepared in advance that when it comes time to shoot that movie, they know exactly what they're doing. Where I feel like DC is playing catch up all the time. Like the moment the MCU became apparent, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you have all these movies that are connected in one universe and they feed one another, like DC's been been struggling to catch up with that for years, for like three or four years now. They they because they're in such a rush to to cash in on this whole connected universe thing and to catch up to Marvel. They're pumping these movies out without giving them, you know, a chance to really be revised and be rewritten until they're excellent. Like Christopher Nolan had no pressure when he wrote Batman Begins. Batman Begins was a hit. They didn't pressure him to follow right up with uh, The Dark Knight. So he went and play- made The Prestige. And then he shot The Dark Knight. You understand? So he, they, he was given like three years to make sure that The Dark Knight script was amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Like he had time to make it into something great. You didn't have to rush it in two freaking months. Right. And so that's why that's why the Dark Knight trilogy is so good, because he wasn't pressured to get it out now. He he did his due diligence. He made sure that the it was the best scripts that he could make and look what it created. That so that's what I'm saying. DC the DC, the concept behind those movies is they're great. There's a lot of wonderful characters, but they're just not doing it right because they're rushing. They're struggling to catch up so much that they they jettison past the good stuff like character development and and just heart and soul and and there's you know so many tonal inconsistencies in their movies that you get to the end and you just feel like you're struggling to figure out why you need to care right now because you don't. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that DC has, I think a little more, maybe not a lot more than more, but one thing they have is like their characters, the actors playing the characters save it. I mean, you have some really incredible people on your list that have the potential to do some really amazing things, but they're being like seriously restricted by your story. And it's, lack of ability to really give us anything they're just there to fight and that's not good enough but you have some really talented actors like jesse eisenberg you made him lex luther yeah he did an incredible job of portraying that guy but it's not the character he should be playing he definitely belongs in the superhero world but not as lex luther it's just unfortunate that he got cast as that role and people like margot robbie she's an incredible harley quinn and um Oh, I always forget the guy who plays the Joker. Uh, Jared Leto. Thank you. Yes, he did an amazing job too, and I'm not a fan of his. I think he did a great job. It's so unfortunate that those movies ended the way they did and the way they, the story went. It's so unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to touch on that because I finished up Logan here. And as I was making my notes, I thought I was thinking about DC movies, and I'm like, okay, why are DC movies not working while Marvel movies for the most part do? And 
when I was t- thinking about this movie, because it has the R rating and it's much darker, I thought, well, obviously it's not the darker tone. You know, the darker tone isn't the issue. It's so many other factors that are causing DC movies to be underwhelming. And so I'm just saying, if you look at Logan as a darker movie, a darker Marvel movie, that isn't Deadpool, which was played more as a comedy than anything else. This is played like the serious, dark drama comic book movie that DC aspires to. And the problem is, if you want to do a movie like this, look at Logan. See that you can be dark. You can be violent. You can be rated R. But as long as you have heart, as long as you have a soul in that movie, as long as you get to the end and you can see that beating heart, that's where you know the full um, the full weight of the themes and the ideas that you're you know putting out in this movie are going to really impact you. So just want to say that uh, finish it up here, and uh, that's pretty much it for this uh, episode of the podcast so, or this part of the podcast. So uh, we like I said we have we both gave it uh, an A plus. It's a really good movie, Logan. Uh, so go check it out. And uh, we'll be back next week with our next review. I think we'll be doing, we might be, we might be doing, possibly doing uh, Kong Skull Island. Uh, not sure, 100% yet. If we don't do Kong Skull <laughs> Island, we'll be doing Whiplash next week. So it's one or the other. Yes. So, so um, if you want to, you know, give us your own thoughts about Logan or any other movie we reviewed, you can send us an email or a voicemail at freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. Uh, we have our website, freakinggeeks.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at freakgeeksmedia. Uh, we're also individually out on the Twitterverse. He's at Michael underscore Lanik, and I'm at Labyrinth Rose. Uh, we also have our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks. If you want to check out our other content and become a subscriber, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> I always feel like I'm forgetting one, but I think I hit Now nah, you hit everything. Um, all right, everyone, that's it for this podcast. So until next week, uh, have a good time uh, watching Logan if you haven't seen it already, and we'll catch you in the next one. Later, geeks. Later.